Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. Thanks for joining us. For many people, pets are a part of the family. Sometimes they push us to our limits, but overall, they can fill a house with joy. They give us comfort and a cuddle when we're feeling down and don't judge us for anything. Dr. Jody Lulich knows about the deep bonds between people and their animals. He's a professor of veterinary medicine at the University of Minnesota, and he's just out with a new book called In the Company of Grace, a veterinarian's memoir of trauma and healing. Jody lost his mother when he was nine years old to suicide. His loss sent him on a path to care for voiceless and helpless animals. And his hopeful memoir relates how he makes his way from the south side of Chicago to the Tuskegee School of Veterinary Medicine in Alabama, where he forms a deep friendship with an older black woman named Grace. This hour, I'm talking with Dr. Lulich about his life and his work and about our relationships with our animals. We want to hear from you. Definitely want to have your phone calls this hour. Do you have a pet? And how has your companion animal brought joy to you or maybe helped you through a difficult time in your life? Call us at 651-227-6000. Again, the number is 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. You can also tweet me at Angela Davis NPR. I want to introduce our guest. Again, we have Dr. Jody Lulich here sitting in front of me. Good morning, Dr. Lulich. Good morning, Angela. I'm so glad you have me online this morning. Yes, glad to have you here in person. So Dr. Lulich is a veterinarian and a professor of internal medicine at the University of Minnesota's College of Veterinary Medicine, as I told you. He's also the director of the Minnesota Urolith Center. Did I say that right? Say that right? Perfect. It's okay. just, it's just yeah. another word for stones, urinary okay. stones. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and his memoir is being published this week by University of Minnesota Press. And again, it's called In the Company of Grace, a veterinarian's memoir of trauma and healing. And you live in the Twin Cities with your husband, your two dogs, and a cat. Again, thank you for coming in. Perfect. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so let's start. And I should mention, we already have uh, five people on, on the phone lines waiting to tell us the story of, of their relationship with their animals. So clearly, we've, we've touched a nerve here, uh, Jody. But you've devoted your career to caring for animals and have seen so many people's relationships with their pets. So let's first talk about the role that pets really can play in our lives. How, how do they bring us joy and comfort? Oh, they bring us joy because they bring us unconditional love. You know, when I'm down, when I'm depressed, when I'm tired in the morning, they get me moving and excited, and they want to go for that walk. So they're a very important part of my life. The wonderful thing is I get to take my dogs to work. Not many people can say that, but oh, they make nice. my whole day wonderful. And you offered to bring your dog in this morning, didn't you? I did. I, <laughs> I, had, I, had a, I had a little Phyllis, a Maltese, who we actually got as a rescue. Um, so yeah, she's, she's a wonderful dog as well. And you have cats, too? We have one cat by the name of Maddie, who uh, rules the house. She is bigger than both of the dogs, by the way. Oh, my. Yes. Is that good, Dr. Um, Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. She's a, she's, she's a big cat. I have two small dogs, so I have like a Maltese and a Chihuahua. But oh, the cat, okay. The cat is literally about 11 or 12 pounds, but she rules the house. <laughs> so how is the companionship of a pet different from companionship we find in people in our lives? Yeah, so pets have this sort of unconditional love. Um, they don't hold any grudges. They sort of just want to be near you. Um, it's just this, it's just, you know, they lean their head against your leg. They lick your hand. They're just, <laughs> yeah, they're just this. You're you know, selling it, but it's true. Know, it's, it's true. true. You, you, it you, you just can't ask for anything better. And, and, and they have no judgment. 
That's really it. You can tell them your life story and they look at you with such intent eyes and appreciation and no judgment. And we need that. We need that today, especially today. Um, the theme um, throughout your, your book, your memoir, is um, the power of compassion and gentleness. And in other interviews, you've said that veterinarians uh, possess a, quote, compassion gene. So let's talk about being a veterinarian. What do you mean by that? Yeah, what, what, what I really mean is they've devoted a lot of time and effort to really treat our helpless, our voiceless, our small animals who really can't talk to us. So we go through that extra schooling, just like any other medical profession, to really make sure that their health is maintained so that bond mm-hmm. between that owner or pet parent and that, and that uh, pet is maintained. We enjoy seeing that. And boy, you should see them when they, when they come and see you in the morning. It's the same way. And when we can make a difference in, in the lives of not only our pets, but also their owners, it really gives us a lot of joy. Now, our pets, we know, usually have shorter lives than we do as yeah. humans. Um, and because of that, uh, death and loss uh, is a big part of having a pet. So what is it like for you when one of your animal patients doesn't make it, when an, an, uh, one of your patients dies, yeah. so you cannot yeah. save a dog or a cat? Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. There, there, there's no doubt about it. But that's sort of a, a, sh- a very short span of that dog or cat's lifespan. Really, it's building all that trust with that animal and building that trust with that client. And hopefully what I do is I let them know that even though the life of their dog is shorter, that they have enough room in their heart to get another one when this one is gone. That's, that's, that's really the joy of being able to, to see that happen. And I've donated and brought many dogs in my house, and it would be amazing that I give them away to my clients because I, I tell them this dog needs a home. And even after going through that deep loss, their heart is still big and open, and they're often so appreciative that I brought this special pet that I thought would be perfect for them to enjoy their life with. And and you've done that throughout your career where you have brought pets home. How does that yeah. happen? Yeah, well, it happens because I think sometimes my clients really trust me more than what I anticipate. And they tell me, well, Jody, I'm too old to get another dog. Or Jody, when I'm old, what am I going to do with my dog? And I have to remind them that there's lots of open hearts out there. And the most important thing I tell them, you know, if you don't have that animal... You may not live your your full life, but if you have it, you're going to live longer. So keep that heart open. Is that true? Do you think they help us with our I really do. quality I really of do. our life and yeah. with our health? Oh, definitely. They reduce that stress and that anxiety. And again, that just that comfort and touch. You know, we don't touch people as much today, but that dog and that cat just really wants to mm-hmm. hug and be against you. And also the people who walk dogs, you hear a lot about the health benefit that they motivate folks to walk a lot more than they would if they did not have a dog. And, and they develop community. I mean, when I walk down that street and I right. see other dog owners, we develop that community. I didn't know they were my neighbor until they said hello to my mm-hmm. dog. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking with Dr. Jody Lulich, a veterinarian and a professor at the University of Minnesota. Uh, and he is the author of a new book uh, about to be published soon, uh, this week, right? Coming out yes, this week. It's yes. called In the Company of Grace, A Veterinarian's Memoir of Trauma and Healing. Going to talk more about that in just a moment. But first, I got to take some of these phone calls, uh, Jody, as we talk with some pet owners. Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. Do you have a pet? Tell us about your relationship, your how much companionship this animal has brought into your life. In West St. Paul, let's start things off by talking with John. Good morning, John. Thank you for calling in. And what did you want to share with us? 
Well, I want to thank you and your guest. Uh, you know, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't give a big shout out to the university's comparative oncology, uh, helping to save lives in cancer research. Um, about eight years ago, I got run over by a car, and I had just a couple of months earlier purchased a a, a new hunting dog, and I had every intention that this was going to be my dog to hunt with. Well. That's kind of out of the question because my leg had to be rebuilt, and mm. they discovered cancer oh in my, my kidney and in my brain. And then I had a heart attack and bypass surgery. But that lab transitioned from being a hunting dog into the greatest companion animal I've ever seen. Um, will lean lightly on my against my leg just to say, "Hey, I'm here and I love you." Uh, when I had my leg in a cast and I had to elevate it, she would crawl up and let me rest my leg on top of her. Um, and to this day, it seems like she'll check on me every morning. She comes into the bedroom, sniffs at my face. When she sees I'm awake, she goes and sits by her bowl and waits for me to feed her. Um, but just a remarkable, uh, dog. Uh, uh, you know, we, we joke that she's the most codependent Labrador in the world. Uh, you know, stayed by my side through my recovery from the leg surgery, the cancer surgeries, the bypass, and uh, just a remarkable, loving animal that has helped me through a difficult eight years of my life. Oh, my goodness, John. What is what is your lab's name? Bonnie. Bonnie. All right. Well, shout out to Bonnie. Thank you, John. And I'm glad that, that you are doing better. Thank you for sharing that, that very touching story. What did you hear there, uh, Jody? That was Oh, I, I, so I hear that. Yeah, I, I hear that all the time. <sighs> what I heard is this is this mutual respect, this love, and how this dog really gets this person up in the morning. Because, you know, yeah. if, if, it was, if it wasn't for that dog, that recovery may not be as quick. But knowing that dog is there and needs, uh, needs attention, needs love, needs to be fed, needs to be cared for, it gets us moving and up in the morning and gives us a reason to wake up and live for, you know, the next day. And That's he, what I heard. It sounded too as if, as if that uh, lab Bonnie was is protective of John yeah. as well. Yeah, because you know that 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 Bonnie really realizes who this person is, and this person has created this wonderful bond. I think our animals are wonderful; they really are, and everyone is going to have a story like that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hear some more stories uh, in Minneapolis. Let's talk to Dana. Good morning, Dana. And what do you want to share with us about having a pet and the companionship that comes with that? Hi, good Hi. morning. Can you hear me? Yes, uh, very clear. Go okay. ahead. Good. Um, yes, we, uh, we <laughs> like John, you know, we have this dog that is just, um, has been the best. Um, he's, we got him at the early end um, of the pandemic as a puppy. And um, I was a little reluctant because I have been, I had been teaching special Ed online um, with the schools and raising two teenage boys mm. and trying to navigate them through that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like Mochi just knew that he couldn't be a regular puppy <laughs> and bring on that stress. He just was such a good boy and so easy to train. And is just like, he just never leaves my side. And, um, I, you know, I've definitely really struggled my mental health has struggled a lot and he's just so in tune to that he knows when it's time to play and time to just be with me and um i don't know i just really thank you for this program too because it it helps me like put my gratitudes into place today and know how much i appreciate my time with him here and so dana uh the puppy uh, his name is mochi is that what you said 
Yeah, yeah. He's a Japanese chin and pug. Okay. So, so it sounds uh, like he walked in the house, did an assessment. He's like, okay, I, I see what's needed <laughs> here. Y'all, y'all need some joy. Yeah, exactly. And he's, he, he's, he's brought it. All right. Thank you, Dana. Uh, So as we think, we talk a lot about uh, mental health uh, on the show, Dr. Uh, Lulich. uh, What do we know about just, you know, how pets can maybe sense that, that you need some emotional support? Yeah, and it's 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 really it's really a reflection of us. So we're letting that in. When we're calming down, they calm down. When we get excited, sometimes they realize that you know we need to calm down. You know, ha- yeah, <laughs> it's having, a two way street. It is. It's a two way street. And and having a pet lowers your blood pressure, gets your endorphins going. You know what it what it really does is it, it gives me faith in humanity because it tells us that the kindness that we have in our hearts and being able to open up to our to our pets tells me that we can open up to each other too. So that's really what it does. It, it really it teaches us. So if we can do this for our dogs and, and cats and other pets and squirrels, whoever we have, it means that we can do it for each other as well. So that's a wonderful story. Because sometimes we get lost. We get we disconnected do. from um, those good emotions and that goodness yes. in us. It reminds us that it lives within us. Yeah, and our pets then can show us the way. That's, that's what I like about it. And just teach us. All right. One more phone call uh, as we will take several, but let's take one more before we talk more about your book, uh, uh, Jody. Uh, this is Dan in St. Charles, Minnesota. Good morning, Dan. Hi. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hey. Uh, I'd like to tell you a little story about, a, and I'll make it quick. I have a four-year-old Irish setter named Ranger, and I am a, a, a partially handicapped senior citizen. And this little guy wiggled his way into my heart at a uh, at a shelter four years ago, and he is now fully grown and he is obedience trained, and he follows me around the house like he's a four year old little boy when he's, <laughs> when he's in the house, and it's just the most wonderful thing because I am a widower, and you talk about a companion, he's the guy. He, as far as I'm concerned, he he wrote the book on how to do it. Oh, that's a beautiful story, Dan. And and what is it like for you uh, to care for Ranger? Is it a lot of work? No, not really. Right. Not really at all. He's 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 housebroken, and I, I go out and do cleaning every other day outside. Uh, and uh, he he brings his bowl to me. <laughs> he brings his bowl to me at lunch. He knows when lunchtime is. He brings his bowl to me, and that's when he gets his big meal of the day. I love it. Uh, and I wouldn't trade him. I wouldn't trade him for all the tea in China. Oh, thank you. That's uh, Dan uh, talking about his uh, uh, Irish setter named Ranger. Thank you, Dan. Um, loneliness has been a big theme through the last few years. Uh, that's a health concern, and particularly often when we think about older uh, folks. And so what do you hear in Dan's story as he identified himself as a senior citizen? Yeah, what, what, what I really hear is, is this, this dog is, is helping Dan out tremendously. And the most important thing that, that, I, that I think this dog is helping Dan out is this dog doesn't see Dan's handicapped. Right, he doesn't see his age. He doesn't see anything. All he sees is the companionship, right. and 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 that's what Dan we want Dan man. to feel too. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, we want Dan <laughs> to feel that too. We want to feel that. Yeah, this is this is not my handicap. This is my this is the, you know this is my advantage. And so all I have to say is wonderful things for Dan for opening up his heart to this dog, 
and and not only working with this dog, but reading this dog's emotions as well. I thought it was interesting that dog brings the bowl in and says, you know, Dan, it's time for me to right. eat now, you know? So yeah, Dan gets up and I says, you know, I could do this. <laughs> you know, it's I, I can be a, a very functioning person. It, it doesn't matter about any um, incapabilities that I have. I am working and this dog knows it and loves it. We're talking with Dr. Jody Lulich, a veterinarian and a professor at the University of Minnesota, uh, uh, specializing in urology. He's also the author of a book that is coming out uh, this week called In the Company of Grace, a Veterinarian's Memoir of Trauma and Healing. Uh, let's talk about the book, Jody, In the Company of Grace, a beautiful story, but um, with heart heartache and loss, um, yeah. but also a lot of hopefulness. Uh, you've had a, a, an amazing life, but why the choice to write it down and share a lot of personal stuff that isn't yeah. all... Uh, joy. Yeah, it wasn't all joy, but our our life isn't all joy. But joy, but those heartaches lead us and help us be grateful and appreciate um, joy when when we finally get there. It it, it was a hard book um, for my life. I guess I've been hiding my story, sort of behind the care for my animals instead of really sharing it. But I, I learned really one important thing, and that if you're not authentic in this life. No one's going to know how to love you. They don't even know who to love unless you're authentic. So I wrote this book to sort of be authentic so that people know who I am and what I stand for. And, and then they know how to love me in return. So it's, it was personal, but it was also something that I wanted to share with everyone else so that they can do the same. I want to touch on some of the pain you experienced as a child, because as you've said, it, it made you who you are today. Um, in your memoir, you write about a couple of moments in your childhood that steered you toward a career in veterinary medicine. Um, you were nine years old. You just experienced a tremendous loss. Your mother had died by suicide. Tell us about the experiences that, that planted the seeds for becoming a veterinarian. Yeah, that was a very hard time in my life. But um, I, I think, you know, on the way to her funeral, what, what really happened is my father ran over a dog. And he didn't stop. And, and my, in my mind, I think he just thought we had been through enough. And so when he didn't stop, he didn't realize the effect that that would have on me, that I really felt for that dog because I had just lost my mother. So I really felt for this dog that, that, um, that you know, when his pet parents come and find him no longer living or, or mortally wounded, that they would feel the same thing that I did. And so I thought, well, you know what I need to do is I need to make it better. And so I led myself on this, on this life that I would help out other dogs um, so that um, not only maybe that I could see the correction in my own life, but I could help others correct their lives as well. And so it did. It left me on a wonderful path. It was interesting because I really didn't want to do clinical medicine at first because I thought it was going to be too much trouble for me. Someone let me, led me in the right direction. And now that I've done it, I have these wonderful relationships, not only with the pet patients that I have, but also the, the clients and pet parents that own these dogs and cats. So help me, help me with this. You said you didn't want to do clinical medicine, meaning yeah. what does that mean? You didn't want well, I, to be talking I, to the people? Yeah, I didn't want to be talking <laughs> to the people because I didn't think I was mentally prepared. Right. I didn't want to relive those bad things. You know, we talked about that dogs have shorter lives, which meant I'm going to have to euthanize some of those dogs. And that, that would bring up a lot of feelings that I had as a child, maybe that I haven't even resolved yet. So I thought, well, maybe I should be a pathologist. I can still help out the veterinary profession and help animals. But and, it didn't turn out that way. And remind me, what does that mean, being a pathologist? Yeah, so what, what I do is I, I look at 
pieces of tissue under slides and, and, and sort of make a diagnosis or, or make an assumption of, of how the disease progressed instead of really having the opportunity to actually make that animal better and restore that animal-human bond. And that was the original goal. That was the original goal. But someone stepped into my life and said, Jody, do you want to be a a resident in clinical internal medicine. I told that person no at first. But then what they did is they came back the next week and they said, Jody, you need to tell me soon because the University of Minnesota doesn't have a position available and I need to create it for you. And I thought, wow, this person must see something in me that I don't see in myself. And I took that person up on it. And that person happened to turn out to be my Grace Hooks of, of Minnesota, of just a very wonderful mm-hmm. guiding mentor as well. So I would have missed out on a lot in my life if I didn't take that advice, even though I thought I couldn't manage it. So shout out to the mentors out there. Definitely. Guiding shout people out in their to careers. Mentors, right? Yeah, because they see okay. the world better and bigger and wider than we mm-hmm. do at our age when we're young. You mentioned Grace Hooks. So now let's talk about Grace. Okay. Um, you had an important friendship um, with an old black woman while you were in veterinary school there at Tuskegee University in Alabama, um, an HBCU, a historically black uh, uh, university. Her name was Grace Hooks. Um, She was 74 at the time. And and in my notes here, I have that you rented a room from her. Um, Tell me more about Grace and and what that relationship meant to you. Yeah, it was really a a wonderful relationship. She was a wonderful woman. She grew up in Poughkeepsie, New York, and believe it or not, had a full four-year scholarship to Cornell University as a black woman who wanted to be a doctor in 1926. Women didn't even want to be doctors then, and here was this black woman who really wanted to be a doctor. Well, the wonderful thing is she was this wonderful person. Every week when we went grocery shopping, we always had to pick up something for someone else and deliver it on our way home. But really, the relationship that really mm-hmm. happened is the night that she said, Jody, would you braid my hair? And I'm sitting here, why would this older woman ask me to braid her hair? So you're renting a space from her. Yeah, so I'm, renting, yeah I'm just renting friends. a room for her, and we become just these <laughs> you're friends. You're family now. She's like, come over here and help me with my hair. I know. So she was this proud okay. woman who prepared herself every night, and her she had arthritis. And so I didn't realize that that's what was bothering her. But the wonderful thing is that um, when I braided her hair, because she needed it up every night, she started telling me the stories of her life. And so I heard these stories about segregation and Jim Crow laws and and really how she survived Cornell when they didn't even let her live on campus, even though she had a four-year scholarship to go there. And she really became this sort of um, foster mother for me. And she didn't have kids or really close relatives. There was no way that the world should not know what a wonderful person this is. So she became my, the start of my book. And um, it, it, we had a wonderful relationship throughout her entire life. Each Christmas, instead of going home to my home in Chicago, I actually went home to Tuskegee and I had Christmas with her. And so I'm envisioning you braiding her hair. Um, that's a very intimate experience when you're touching someone and just the process of how you braid someone's hair. Yeah. So what do you remember about that? You know what, what, I, what I really remember, and I sort of admire this, and maybe I understand now the relationships between daughters and mothers, is you're not facing each other. And when you're so braiding. Really, yeah, when mm-hmm. you're braiding. So you're taking care of this person's appearance. But the wonderful thing is when they tell you these stories, they tell them without judgment. They tell them without fear because there is no facial expression. I can't have any judgment and they can't even see what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. And I think that was where I got that idea about being authentic, that she could really tell me her struggles, but also her joys. And it was it was just a wonderful bonding relationship that I had not experienced before in my life. And what we learn about overcoming hardship, when people yeah. share their stories about 
I was here and now I was there and now I'm here. Yeah. It strengthens others. It can't. It, it really does. It really strengthened me. It strengthened me. I mean, she talks about how she, her mother brought her a, a Pullman train ticket to go visit her in Tuskegee when she was at Cornell. And how when she crossed the Mason-Dixon line after going through Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. they made her get out of her Pullman train ticket car and put her in the Jim Crow car. And she complained so much because, you know, she wasn't used to this and her mother brought her up so well that they actually, at the next stop, they made her get off the train. And she was worried because it, yeah, it was really late at night and they just knew, she just knew she wasn't going to survive. But instead what they did is they put her on a brand new Pullman train car all by herself for the rest of the ride. I just thought this this woman is just just incredible yeah. to be able to say, I don't belong here and then have the confidence and the appearance and the care to say, but I do belong on this train. But my ticket was not where you put me. Mm. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Jody Lulich, a veterinarian and professor of internal medicine at the University of Minnesota's College of Veterinary Medicine. Uh, his memoir is being published this week by University of Minnesota Press. It's called In the Company of Grace, a veterinarian's memoir of trauma and healing. And uh, we're talking about our relationships also with our pets and the companionship that they bring us. And so taking your phone calls about your pet, your relationship with your pet, has an animal in your life brought you joy and helped you through a difficult time in your life? Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. Jody, let's take some more phone calls. In Minneapolis, we have Maggie on the phone. Maggie, thank you for waiting. And what do you want to tell us? Hi, um, thank you for this topic. I didn't realize I needed it until I just heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to share the story about an incredible gift I got from a dog I started living with in 2021. Um, so at the beginning of the year, I went through a breakup. I was dealing with substance use disorder. Um, really didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I was really trying to like seclude and sequester myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I move in with some friends, and she has this dog, and the dog doesn't care that I feel this way. And so every day when I get home, she's there to greet me and um, to just, like, give me her love. And it it was a time that I didn't even think I deserved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to get that was, like, a really incredible gift. And the role that dogs play in, dogs and all animals play in recovering from addiction is so huge. Um, it just like this dog means so much to me. What's the dog's name, Maggie? Oh, her name's Mabel. Oh, Mabel, I love that. And so maybe <laughs> it sounds like Mabel maybe reminded you that you deserve to be loved. Yes. And we talked earlier about that unconditional love. Is that what you feel in your relationship with Mabel? Yeah, because she was just so excited to see me, um, <laughs> and just like. Just, yeah, I've never been greeted like that by a dog or I grew up with cats, so I didn't, I'd never (laughs) experienced the love of a dog before. Um, It was just like a really beautiful and like healing energy. Well, Maggie, I'm so glad you have Mabel. I'm glad you have each other. And thank you for sharing that story. Um, Dr. Lulich, uh, I remember going through a horrible breakup. It is, it can put you in a really, really dark place for a long time. Yeah, it can. You know, just like me losing my mother, it puts you in a very dark place. I mean, I'm so happy that we had animals in our life, mm-hmm. you know, even when my mother was alive and after and after she passed. It was really wonderful. I'm just amazed with, with Maggie. Maggie, I can feel 
sort of the love that you have for this dog and what this dog really meant in your life. Um, I really understand how you feel, and I am so pleased that uh, this dog and you were able to find a path that really made you recover. Um, I hope people really understand that because dogs are really important and cats are important in our life too. But you really opened up my heart, Maggie. I really yeah, enjoy I, hearing that story. I can see Ma- Maggie out on a walk with Mabel, yeah. right? And and maybe meeting her new person. You're right. Her next person. Don't You're you feel right. that way? I do. I do feel that way because it's really wonderful because it sounds like they're both ready, doesn't yeah. it? Yes, doesn't I'm feeling it. I, mean, it. Uh, right. I am too. All right. <laughs> Good luck, Maggie. Thank you. Uh, let's uh, take more phone calls, uh, Jody. Uh, in St. Paul, Beth is on the phone. Beth, thank you for calling in. Thank you for waiting. And what did you want to tell us about your pets? I wanted to sing the praises of my cat. Uh, I was always a dog person. I thought cats were fine, but I didn't really bond with them. Mm -hmm. But I started fostering cats during the pandemic because I rent and I can't have dogs and I needed Mm -hmm. some companionship. And my third foster, we just immediately had a unique bond. He's a very doggish cat, as my (laughs) nephew would say. Uh, He loves belly rubs. He chases after people, begging them to pet him. He's the perfect cat for a dog person. And I ended up deciding that I had to adopt him, which was very specifically not the plan. Uh, And in addition, he's my little miracle boy. He's only four years old, but he has a very rare congenital heart defect and was in congestive heart failure when I adopted him. Uh, Kudos to the U of M's cardiology unit. They are amazing and have helped me keep him alive. My primary vet has said there aren't many states that have a cardiologist as good as Dr. Stouthammer at the U. Um, he was given six to 18 months to live when I adopted him. And that was two years ago. Um, he's come close to dying several times, but he's such a fighter. He comes back every time and talk about opening my heart. Like, I mean, he's kept me sane as an extrovert who lives alone during this isolation period, but he's also really, it feels a little bit like a bit of a universe moment. Like I have a big heart, but I, I'm also sometimes afraid of my big, scary feelings. And he's really helped me face a lot of fears about loving something, even though I know I'm going to lose him because he could basically die at any time. Uh, He's helped me unwind some trauma that I didn't even know was there. He's teaching me to think about why I'm willing to work so hard to keep him healthy, but I don't always spend that much effort on my own health. And what Mm. does that mean? Mm. And I'm going to be so, so sad when I lose him. And it could be literally tomorrow or in months, but I'm so grateful to have him. And I'm so grateful for every day that I get with him. It's just, uh, he's changed my life. He's saved me every bit as much as I've saved him. Oh, Beth, beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, Beth, tell me the name of, of your cat again. His name is Rutherford. Rutherford. All right. Rutherford. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Rutherford, for all that you've done uh, in, in Beth's life. Uh, a lot to, to sort of uh, talk about there. And I'm glad we have a, a nice uh, cat owner. I uh, want to show our cats some love as well. But they're, they're very different in their behavior than dogs. And, yeah, and what, they are, they what are did different. you hear? Yeah. What you hear? So what I heard something really wonderful is, is uh, Beth may not, not, not know this, but her cat has given her a lot of love and given her an opportunity to sort of help and help her in her life. But Beth, what you need to realize is that the love that you're giving Rutherford 
is probably the reason why Rutherford is also living a much longer life. It's not only the care that you're giving this cat, but it's also the emotional bond. I mean, that cat probably wants to wake up, just like you said, and, and every day and be part of your life. So I that's, that's the most important thing. Yeah, day. That's, that's really the whole <laughs> thing. Yeah, as I mentioned before, how, um, how animals sort of decrease our blood pressure and help our heart. Um, your love for Rutherford is probably doing the same thing. So um, good mm-hmm. kudos for you. You're, you're opening up my heart, Beth. You really are. Uh, Dr. Ulich, we've talked a lot about your compassion. We haven't, all, we haven't talked a whole lot about your skills. You have a lot of skills. You <laughs> developed a specialty in urology. and In fact, you came up with a way to solve bladder uh, problems, bladder stones in, in animals without surgery. Yeah. Tell me about that. How did you do that? Yeah. So we, we, we do a lot of wonderful things at the University of Minnesota. And our goal, my goal is always to, to try and minimize any invasiveness or pain animals feel. So we've developed diets where we can dissolve stones. And I actually developed a technique where when the stones are small, we can remove them in 15 seconds. Not only does it save clients um, money and time, but it prevents the animal from a prolonged surgery and even making any incisions on the skin. How do you do that? How do you do that? That's really funny. <laughs> Was really, one, one veterinarian, when I was speaking, because I lecture around the world, one veterinarian said, Jody, why do people form stones in their kidneys and dogs and cats form stones in their bladder? And, you know, I wasn't expecting that question because I'm not a physician. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is growing up being a male, and unfortunately, I grew up in a whole house, household of males, what I noticed is that Please forgive me, but this is ma- science. Go ahead. Yeah, when males when when males urinate, they stand up. Mm-hmm. So that means if stones came out of the kidney and into the bladder, they would just urinate them right out. So I thought, well, this makes a lot of sense. Let me just anesthetize the dog, stand it up like you and I, where its spine is vertical, and we express their bladder, and we can just force their stones right through their urinary system, and they don't have to have surgery at all. So really, just a wonderful technique. And no one else had done that. No one else had done that. Just is really amazing to me. But we do a lot of other things. We do laser lithotripsy and a lot of other non-invasive things so that we do not have to make our animals go through additional pain. So over the years, because uh, you're close to retirement. I am. Yeah. I am. You about don't two look years like away. it. Well, thank you. You do not look thank like you. it at all. Um, <laughs> Technology, science, there have been a lot of improvements in veterinary science. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, so we have, like, diets that can dissolve stones, like in cats, really seven days. We have a diet that can dissolve a special stone in seven days. It's really amazing. We do laser lithotripsy. We do a lot of minimally invasive procedures. And the science and the technology are better today than what they were 30 years ago when I started. Are pets then living longer or there's the potential for pets to live longer? Definitely. And and the most important thing is that when they live longer, we can make sure that they're more pain-free. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Let's take another phone call uh, talking with uh, veterinarian and book author Jody uh, Lulich at the University of Minnesota. 651-227-6000 is the number to call. In St. Paul, Mary's on the phone. Good morning, Mary. What did you want to tell us? Good morning. So hi. I just wanted, hi. Um, I just wanted to tell my story about my cat. Um, so years ago, I was in an abusive relationship and I adopted this cat. I've always wanted a cat, and she was just one of those pets you have a soul connection with. She was a snuggler. She was wonderful. Um, anyway, my my personal life was challenging, and I was in this bad relationship, and I um, the reason I was able to end it was because of the cat, and he had threatened to kill the cat. He had threatened me many times, but I never 
protected myself, but when he threatened to kill the cat, I I sought out a protective order and ended the relationship. And um, and you know that was the end of it. Um, and years after that, I I ended up finding a very healthy relationship. Who I'm I'm now married to this person. And um, the the weird part about it all was the week before I got married to my now husband, my cat passed away and it just felt like, I mean, there's a lot more to the story. It was such a, she was such a beautiful cat and great companion, but it just felt like she knew that I was going to be okay. So I just had to call in. Her job was done. I'm sure that felt symbolic, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. And Mary, what, what is the cat's, what was the cat's name? Jasmine. Jasmine. So uh, thank you for sharing that story, Mary. And I am so happy you're in a healthy relationship. And I'm so happy that you had Jasmine when you really needed her. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. Wow. Yeah, that's really wonderful. It's it's amazing the the way life plays out. Um, She needed this cat at this time when she was in a terrible relationship. And this cat not only shouldered the way, but gave her the love and strength to move out of that bad situation. Mm-hmm. And then um, when she was in a good relationship, you know, you're right, that, that cat knew that, you know, um, it's, it's time. You know, my, my life is shorter than yours, but now I know I can let go because I know that you're in safe hands. So what, what, what I really want to say is kudos to you. But even more important, it means that your heart is open for another cat. That's really what it means. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you know the importance that, that, this, that this pet really played in your life, now you can reciprocate that love and, and return the favor. Uh, again, I'm hearing this theme of what cats can teach us about ourselves and about our relationships with other humans. Yeah, cats cats are wonderful too. Dogs have this unique thing of sort of having to go out, but but cats sort of, for most of us, live in the house with us. They see everything. They really do, and they have <laughs> they have they have the most incredible fur and purr that just calms us down. They're soft and they're sort of musical just in the way they meet us. Unless they make you sneeze. Unless they make you sneeze. If if you're allergic to cats, like you said, they make you sneeze, but that's okay. Okay. (laughs) And I guess a personal question, um, your job requires uh, you uh, at times um, to euthanize a pet. Yeah. And so personally, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So it's, 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 it's really difficult because there is no perfect time. And when you do it, you always think maybe it's too soon. And when you didn't do it, you always think it's too late. But what we really need to do is I look at the whole group. I look at the animal. I look at the patient. I look at the family. I look at the kids. And we have a nice conversation. So I know that, you know, you guys feel okay with this. Um, the wonderful thing is we have this opportunity to allow death to pass very, very calmly without pain, without suffering. And you as pet parents, you have the opportunity to sort of realize that you can end this suffering, especially when the suffering can't be reversed. So I, th- I think it's a, how do I say, it's, a, it's, 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 it's a, just a wonderful thing that we can do, but it is very heartbreaking. Um, and you take time, it sounds like you take time to talk with the pet owners. You, you, really, you really do. You need to take time so that they understand. And also I want to understand too, because it's a stress on me as well. And I just want to make sure that everything is, is right in the right place and it's the right time as best as it can be. Uh, let's take another phone call from a listener. Uh, in Dayton, we have Mohammed on the line. Good morning, Mohammed. Thank you for waiting. And what do you want to share with us as we talk about the companionship of our pets? Oh my gosh, good morning. I am so, so excited that you guys are having this conversation. Um, animals have helped me out so much in my life. So 
Um, I suffer from anxiety and depression, um, and you know, Steve Irwin was one of my all-time heroes. Um, and actually, to the point where I ended up getting one of my majors at the U of M, this whole system healing. So the story that I want to tell you is I had suffered a little bit of addiction in the past, um, and one way that I was able to get over it was through working with animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was down in Florida getting my vet tech certification, um, and I had the opportunity of working with wild animals in the zoological um, and the rehab setting. Um, and my mentor down there, Todd, um, as I'm working with these animals, decided one day that I was um, ready enough to walk into this enclosure with these two panthers, Venus and Apollo, mm. uh, brother and sister. And as I'm walking into that, um, so to preface this real quick, I was um, to be able to work with animals, I had to cook cold turkey. So that was one way that I was able to actually quit cold turkey from cigarettes and um, any sort of uh, other substances that I was taking. So working with animals... And Working with animals helped you with your struggle with addiction? Yes. First yes. of all, okay. And mental health, yes. And, and, and I'm sorry, Mohammed, um, you, you said you, you have a, a vet tech certification? Um, from down in Florida. So in Florida. I haven't kept okay. up on it because I'm up in Minnesota right now. Okay. Well, so, um, but yeah, yeah, as I'm walking into that enclosure, um, it, it felt like we were on the same cadence. We were essentially, and I know they breathe a little faster than us, um, but as I walked up to Venus, and I started petting her. She actually gave me a lick. Um, <laughs> I have photos of this. And a panther? The, a panther. A Florida panther. Yeah. It, it's like I still have goosebumps talking about it right now. But I felt in that moment that the creator was talking to me. That the creator told me, I got you. Don't worry about anything else. Take care of my creation. And connect others to my creation in a way of connecting them to me. And you've got it. Like I, You don't have to worry about anything else for the rest of your life. Um, and so I've got multiple animals right now. I've got a couple of dogs and cats, uh, Senegal parrots, an African laughing dove, uh, and a leopard gecko that I try to connect <laughs> others with, um, you know, just to kind of foster some natural world relationships and just mm-hmm. to hopefully help heal themselves. And you know. Power. Yeah. Thank you. That's uh, Mohammed in Dayton. I don't know how I would feel if, if a panther licked me, but... <laughs> But it helped him, you know, he described connect with, you know, um, a higher power. Yeah. So I thought that's really good. Well, you said you said some wonderful things here that I just want to bring up. N- number one, the, the theme that you really brought up is that love reciprocates love. I mean, I, I couldn't say it any better than that. And you know what? We have something in common. Believe it or not, I worked at a zoo before I became a veterinarian. So I taught dolphins and clean the dolphin tank and work with a walrus and all those other things. So it, it is quite fascinating. But what it really says as well, you know, in our, in our society is that learning how to work with everyone, that, that diversity mm. brings out something in you that maybe others haven't experienced. So you being able to see the, the love from all those different animals, you know, mm-hmm. is going to help you with all those different people. Like putting fear, fear aside. Like, yeah, oh, putting fear aside and saying, yeah, and opening mm. your heart. So that's what we need to do for all of us. Although, although, you know, dogs are our best friend, man is also our best friend as well, and women is our best friends. So what we need to do is we need to share that ability to be able to reach out to other species, and not only that, other people who may not look like us. I'm so glad you wrote a book. My goodness. <laughs> okay, I want to take another phone call. In Ramsey, we have Karen on the line. Karen, we're talking about companionship and our pets. And what did, what did you want to tell us? Hi, Angela. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Um, so I lost my husband to suicide in March 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, I have three daughters. At the time, they were two, four, and 12. They're five, seven, and 16 now. Um, but at the time, 
I just want to kind of share how animals have helped us in moving forward the last three years. At the time, I had a cat that I've had for years, um, and I've always been known by my friends and family as, like, the cat lady. Um, So after my husband passed, I always say I grief-adopted two more kittens. So now we are a house of three kids and three cats, and I always told myself, you can never have more pets than kids. Um, And I stuck with that rule. Um, and we moved forward in life a couple years later. Um, this past October, we vacationed, me and my girls, in Puerto Rico. And um, the second day of our trip, we witnessed uh, this sweet dog get abandoned, clearly abandoned out of a car. And mm-hmm. very long story short, there was other people involved in this. Uh, we ended up adopting him. I ended up flying him back from Puerto Rico to oh, Minneapolis wow. a week after we got back. Didn't tell the girls about it. Brought him home and surprised them. And, you know, we had already spent a few days with him in Puerto Rico, so they recognized him, and it was this wonderful reunion. And now, here he is. I'm looking at him right now. Karen, um, what is the dog's name? So, he, his name is Owen. My five-year-old named him on the spot when we saw him in Puerto Rico. But, so, I guess the moral of the story for me is we have, um, you know, have had a lot of adversity to mm-hmm. overcome and these mm-hmm. three new pets and the existing one have certainly helped us in just uh, keeping busy with them and with um, now bringing a dog into the mix um, he clearly has come with his own trauma but he has also mm-hmm. come a long way with our consistency and our love for him and um, just bringing him into the fold so it's been a Especially with the dog, Uh I would say, and I was never a dog person before this. (laughs) It's been um, Mm -hmm. a a mutual benefit. What a journey. What a journey. Um, Karen, thank you so much. And I'm wishing you and your daughters and uh, your three cats now and your dog well. Thank you for for sharing your story with us. Uh, We just have a minute left, uh, Dr. Lulich. Uh, So much to absorb. Uh, in this hour, but uh, again, um, we see the the joy and the pain all wrapped yeah. in being, you know, connected to an animal, and also the grace, sort of like the title of my book, Karen. What what I really thought that was wonderful about you, and that in the face of trauma, mm-hmm. you kept your heart open and accepted another animal in your house. That says so much to me about you as a person that um, I just want everyone to know that. So mm-hmm. your neighbors need to know that too, that that's really wonderful, that you didn't close your heart when your husband committed suicide. You actually opened it up and a lot and, and let a lot more animals and people in. Well, Dr. Uh, Jody Alulich, our, our time is up for the hour. Um, thank you for a very powerful hour of radio. You're welcome. We've been talking again with Dr. Jody Lulich, a veterinarian and professor of internal medicine at the University of Minnesota College of Veterinary Medicine. Um, you can learn a lot more about him and his story in his memoir being published this week by University of Minnesota Press. It's called In the Company of Grace, a veterinarian's memoir of trauma and healing. And you can hear Jody read from the book uh, next Monday, April 24th at 7 p.m. at Subtext Books in St. Paul. Today's conversation was produced by Maya Beckstrom. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Angela. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.